For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today's special cross show edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast and the As Always Go Birds podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Football is back and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to a special cross-show edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. Today, I'm joined by a fellow host of the Believe Podcast Network, Darius Jackson. He is the host of the As Always Go Birds podcast. And Darius, it's the Battle of Pennsylvania this weekend. Steelers set to host the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Battle of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's going to be a big game. I feel like it's a bigger game for the Philadelphia Eagles in particular due to the fact of the slower starts of the season. Right now, Pittsburgh uh, sitting comfortably in first place since they uh, didn't play in week four. You know, they're 3-0, going undefeated team, while Ravens did take a loss to Kansas City, that is. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be, I feel like, a huge game for the Eagles, uh, for the Steelers. Uh, we'll see how they respond after a, a sudden bye week. Yeah, I mean, are we sure – that this year's winner of the NFC East deserves a spot in the playoffs. That's where kind of I want to start. But it's amazing because the Eagles are atop the NFC East with coming off their first win of the season. You're talking about a division that is two 11-1 in games against non-division opponents so far this year. But really, it's going to be – you could potentially see a 500 team win the NFC East and make the playoffs this season. You know, I, it reminded me, I believe, uh, what was it? several years back didn't the Carolina Panthers they made the playoffs at an awkward record it was like seven eight and one around there I'm always obviously I'm going to be a biased Eagles fan when I say this if we have a chance to be in first place and make the playoffs why not take that opportunity we've seen one of our division foes the New York Giants make it in at nine and seven and go on a historic Super Bowl run beating the New England Patriots when they were undefeated so uh, you know we've had we, we've seen you know samples in sports where uh, the team that you would not expect make the biggest noise in the playoffs and so and that's how it is that's how the NFL works and I mean obviously I understand why people would feel bitter about it if they see hey look my team went 10 and 6 how is this team at you know 8 and 7 and 1 with the tie making it before we do uh, I get it I understand it <laughs> but for me I'm just like well just handle your division <laughs> Well, that and you also have the expanded playoff format this year as well in the sense that both in the AFC and the NFC, both conferences will have seven teams that make the playoffs this season. So that contributes it to as well. I know you had mentioned that Panthers team from back in the day. I know there was a Seahawks team early on in Pete Carroll's tenure that was right around 500 as well that snuck into the playoffs too. So certainly you'd expect that to happen there in the NFC East, but it's like you're looking at the bottom of that division 
with the Giants that are 0-4 right now that still conceivably have a shot at making the playoffs, which is unbelievable to me. Honestly, it is absolutely ridiculous, okay? Make no mistake about it. Again, I- I'm more than honored, more, more, more than happy to be in first place as of right now, but in no way, shape, or form, it's not fooling me. We know, uh, as of right now, we know what this team has looked like so far this uh, season. As for everybody else in the NFC East, you know, Cowboys are pretty much an onside kick away from being an 0-4 team as well. Washington, they just benched Dwayne Haskins after uh, him looking rather mediocre to below average these last three weeks. And then the Giants, again, it's, it's crazy to see the Giants, their offense is absolutely nothing to offer, especially after that Saquon Barkley injury. But yet, everybody's still in playoff contention. And, uh, and obviously, it's, it's week four. We're going into week five. I mean, everybody's going to still be on quote-unquote playoff contention. But you kind of know at this point in time after the first quarter of the NFL season which teams are, where, what direction they're heading towards. And the fact that it's still up for grabs in NFC East while no one has – while everyone has a below 500 record, it, it's very – it's truly astonishing. It's truly astonishing. Uh, again, coming from me as an Eagles fan, I, I, I will take it because we're in first place. But um, it's not fooling anybody. It's not fooling me in particular as well. DJ, one of the reasons why I was psyched to talk to you tonight is I just want to know, like, what is the sentiment with quarterback Carson Wentz in the city of brotherly love? And the reason I ask about this is I did some research for tonight's pod. And Wentz is in his fifth season, 27 years old. And he struggled at times this season, no doubt. But you look at some of the guys that he's played with from the receiver standpoint. I'm going to run you through a few stats. 10 of the receivers that he's played with out of the 20 he's played with in his career are no longer in the league. Deshaun Jackson has missed 16 of the last 20 games. Alshon Jeffries missed 10 of the last 20 games. Greg Ward is his best receiver. So yeah, there are times you can get frustrated with Wentz because he's the type of quarterback who can make every throw in the world. And you can get frustrated at times when he's got three more interceptions this season than touchdown passes but he doesn't have a whole lot to work with either. You know, it's quite fascinating to see Carson Wentz and the way his performance is. We've seen the weapons that he's had getting hurt. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, been he hasn't been active since last December. Deshaun Jackson, uh, his age at this point in time, he was due for an injury. Uh, Jalen Rager, which is disappointing because Jalen Rager was an exciting first round pick, uh, made some early noise earlier on in the season. And then he's out for a good six weeks as well. So um, the way Carson Wentz, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a coincidence that now backs were against the wall. We were having guys like Travis Fulgham, okay, running routes for us a Sunday night, but yet that was one of his better performances of the season, which. It's quite bizarre because you go back to last season, right? We go back to last season in December when Deshaun was out for the season, Alshon was out for the season, uh, Nelson Aguilar was out for the season, and then we had, we bring up a Greg Ward from the practice squad who becomes our number one wide receiver, and then several other practice squad, squad players, Deontay Burnett running routes for us, Robert Davis running routes for us, and then that's when Carson Wentz rather <laughs> stepped up. So it's, it's bizarre that Carson Wentz, it seems like, and I did talk about this early on this week as well, where Carson Wentz thrives off of players who looked at him to be the leader. Deshaun Jackson, seasoned vet, well-established in the NFL, been a pro, been here for a while. You could, you could probably see where Carson Wentz might feel that pressure of a Deshaun Jackson, you know, throw me the football. 
And maybe there are plays that Carson Wentz might not be in sync with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, same thing with Alshon Jeffrey and poor Alshon Jeffrey. He's been the reason why I say poor Alshon Jeffrey because him and Carson Wentz, great chemistry to start off when he initially signed, but then he wins the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and he built a good chemistry with Nick Foles. You go back the following year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Alshon Jeffrey was not much of a factor with Wentz. And then once Foles came back in in 2018, bam, they got clicking again and the Eagles almost made another push in the playoffs. And then you start hearing some locker room issues about veteran wide receivers. So I think that Carson Wentz just prefers to be playing with these no-names out there. You see him performing better with these no-name wide receivers out there who are looking to make a name for themselves, who are taking advantage of any stuff that they can get and who are looking at Carson Wentz and depending on Carson Wentz to be the leader mm. rather as for Deshaun, who's been in the league, who's played with several quarterbacks rather than Alshon who won the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. That's just my speculation. As far as his early season performance so far after this first quarter, it's upsetting because it's mechanical issues. It's, it's accuracy issues that, we're dealing with now and this goes back all the way to the rookie year and you would not expect this to be the issue you would probably expect well him and these practice squad players are not getting along but you're looking at the film you're looking at these highlights and he's missing on open throws missing on touchdown passes you're just trying to figure out what's wrong drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round I don't know maybe that's getting to his head as well um a lot of a lot of potential psychological issues that might that Carson's might be dealing with that who knows, might not be. We have our theories that's going on in Philly. I, for sure, feel like, psychologically, the organization won a Super Bowl without you. You just won back the organization just last year. And then this last offseason, they drafted a quarterback in the second round. I do feel like maybe he's overthinking. I do feel like maybe he's overthinking. Well, in terms of the receivers that have been hurt, I say this all the time, that the best ability is availability. And to develop that rapport with receivers, you've got to be able to be on the same field. We had a shortened offseason in the sense that there weren't OTAs. Training camp wasn't quite the same. There wasn't a preseason. So to develop that rapport, that takes time. That takes time and reps more so than anything. Going to your point about Jalen Hurts, like, do Philly fans really think that a rookie quarterback could come in and perform better than Wentz, a guy who just a few seasons ago was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt. Like, that's just crazy to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. As you, as you know, Philly fans are very, very fascinating. Um, you know, like, is there a segment of the fan base that, that adamantly believes that, that actually believes that? Oh, 100% absolutely. 100% absolutely. It's insane uh, to me. It's insane. It's and don't get me wrong, I was starting to flirt with it, but not necessarily of saying Jalen Hurts take over. Um, I was just necessarily just send an early message to Carson Wentz because um, we go back to 12 years ago with the McNabb Andy Reid, and we drafted a Kevin Cobb in the second round. Mm-hmm. We paid McNabb a lot of money, and during the 2008 season, coincidentally, the same season where we tied with the Cincinnati Bengals, which is kind of funny on how that works, but uh, McNabb, he had a really, really tough three-game stretch or so where he was just underperforming. And then uh, one day, Andy Reid sent a message to McNabb, pulled him, put in Kevin Cobb, and um, the Eagles ended up losing that game. However, McNabb responded by playing lights out for the rest of the season. 
and then the Eagles made it to the NFC Championship game. So my so the way I was feeling at this point in time before Sunday night's game, I was feeling the same way of if Carson Wentz comes out for a uh, for a fourth straight week in a row, multiple turnovers, missing on touchdown passes, more accuracy issues, and the Eagles are down several scores at halftime or so. I was already flirting with the idea of pulling him for Jalen Hurts, but not necessarily just for Jalen Hurts to take over the team, but just to send a message to Carson Wentz and see if we can create a spark, just like what Andy Reid did with McNabb. That's where I was feeling at. I'm still, you know, shaking with Carson Wentz right now. I do think that he is a team. You see, he makes or breaks the team. If he plays bad, the Eagles will lose. And if he plays good enough, if he even plays like an average quarterback, the Eagles will win. We rely heavily on Carson Wentz. Coming off their lone win of the season, a 25-20 to win against the 49ers, a team that's been decimated by injuries themselves. Part of the reason I'm excited for this weekend's matchup is the Steelers headed into week four. We're going to play the Titans. Obviously, that game's been postponed because of an outbreak of COVID-19. Going into that game, the Steelers' opponent's record was 0-9. The Steelers' opponent's record headed into week four now is now 1-11. So I want to see how this team stacks up against better competition. And I don't know if it's still early on, but at the end of the day, the Eagles are the leader in the NFC East right now. So that's the thing I'm curious about the Steelers team is, okay, you can win the games that you're supposed to win. And I would certainly expect this to be one of them. Steelers are a seven-point favorite headed into Sunday's game. But how do you stack up against the teams that are a little bit more formidable? And especially with this Eagles team, you know, again, it's been, you know, a few seasons since that Super Bowl run, but you still have some of the players that help propel them. And, and honestly, I, I know, we'll go back to Carson Wentz again, he was a large part of that Super Bowl run before Nick Foles took over and carried them throughout the playoffs to the Super Bowl and to a victory over the Patriots. But that's the thing I'm really curious about this weekend is, okay, the Steelers have won the games that they've been supposed to, but how do you stack up against the teams that are better? And just to me, I, I've got the feeling that the Eagles really aren't necessarily as bad as their record indicates. Uh, these games, these game-defining moments that we've, experience these last several weeks have been just turnovers. Uh, the turnovers, we've led the NFL in turnovers at one point. Carson Wentz um, led quarterbacks in turnovers as well. Uh, those have been the game-defining moments. Um, you take away a lot of these Carson Wentz interceptions, we would have beaten Washington. Uh, we would have beaten Cincinnati as well. Rams, they pretty much have their way with us. They, they, they gave us a run for our money. The Rams, they have actually a pretty good squad this year. And, yep. I mean, they almost allowed the Bills to choke a 20-3 to lead. Well, they, in fact, the Bills did choke a 20-3 to lead, but um, Bills still came up, pulled it off at the end. But, yeah, no, Rams have their way with us. But I felt like if you take away the majority of our turnovers, the Eagles should be a 3-1 and team right now. Um, right now, what's clicking, and why I, I also have a good feeling about this upcoming Sunday's game, is uh, the Steelers' offensive line. It, it's our D line leads the NFL in sacks. Uh, where we invested a lot of money in that defensive line. Malik Jackson, uh, Javon Hargrave, one of our key um, offseason signings. Obviously, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Derek Barnett, fourth round pick. Once since he's come back, these last three games uh, has around three sacks. Um, Josh Sweat, one of the uh, a promising defensive end that we have is developing. He's tied uh, leading the team in sacks as well with three. So our defensive line uh, invested a lot of money. They're playing up to par. Um, Steeler, Eagles and Steelers games, from what I've seen these last several years, 
has been very physical. Big Ben, he's a stationary quarterback. He's not going to be moving around the pocket like that. So if our D-line could actually get after a rather vulnerable Steelers offensive line, I do think that the Eagles could keep their offense in check. And then it's just a matter of the Eagles. I know the Steelers defense, it's awesome. The Steelers have an awesome defense. They will take, they will intercept the ball. I believe they have four interceptions in the first three games they've played so far already. So uh, it doesn't help that they have that many interceptions on these quarterbacks. And our quarterback right now has seven interceptions after four games. So that is just going to be the part where we're going to be circling the most is the, the turnover battle what's going to happen within the trenches. I do think it might be a physical, maybe like a 20 to 17 kind of game that I could kind of see. But I do think like, uh, just going back to why I have a good feeling as to, you know, why the Eagles could put up a good fight. It's just, again, going back to uh, how our D line could perhaps control this game and, and, and make it, um, make it uncomfortable for big Ben. Yeah, it's a line of scrimmage game and the Eagles actually signed away Javon Hargrave from the Steelers in the off season. And so that's something that was a big question mark headed into the season for the Steelers. And then the Steelers from the offensive side of the ball, the key has been running the ball. And James Conner coming off back-to-back 100-yard games a season ago, he was not healthy a season ago. And so the Steelers have been able to establish him on the ground. And then they've had someone behind him, whether that's Benny Snell, he's shown flashes but have had some problems fumbling the football, and then they drafted Anthony McFarland out of Maryland, the rookie, who looked pretty good in his debut, had 42 yards on six carries. So uh, the Steelers, if they're able to run the ball, that kind of sets up everything else for Big Ben in this offense, whether he's getting the ball to the tight ends, Vince McDonald, Eric Ebron, or out to his receivers, and a guy like, say, Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster, who's played extremely well in the slot this year. The rookie Chase Claypool has made a few plays here and there, too, and so I think they're going to get Claypool more and more involved in the game plan in the coming weeks, but they'll bring him along slowly. A stat I found that was pretty interesting is that Mike Tomlin does a pretty good job in preparing his teams coming off a bye week nine and four during his tenure in Pittsburgh coming off a bye week. So obviously the Steelers get the bye much earlier in the season than they had anticipated again, because that week four game against the Titans had been canceled. And so I'm excited too. Heinz Field's going to have fans for the first time this season, about 5,500 fans will be in attendance and uh, the Steelers will have some fans there. Obviously face masks are going to have to be worn and people are going to have to social distance, but Hopefully we're trending in the right direction toward actually getting more and more and more back to normal. I know we were talking some before the pod, DJ. I'm just happy football's back, my man. Absolutely. Honestly, it's just obviously as, as crazy and as rough 2020 has been, the fact that we're getting somewhat of a normal football season, and the reason why I say somewhat of a normal football season, just because uh, the, the way the schedule has been going, you know, uh, baseball, they had to change up their schedule drastically, just like the NHL, just like the NBA, we're getting the finals right now, and it's October, <laughs> you know, we're, we're watching the NBA finals in the middle of October, how insane is that, and the fact that we are getting that original NFL schedule where, you know, September all the way through December, January. It's going to get trickier, though, uh, as, you know, the the cold comes in, flu season is upon us, and you can only imagine more cases will come up in the NFL, which we're starting to see now uh, these last several weeks. Um, it's it's going to be a bit tricky, so obviously I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and continue to enjoy as much as we possibly can before, uh, before it possibly could get out of reach. I, I'm, I'm not sure what will happen if it does get to that point. 
I'm hopeful it doesn't get to that point. And I think all sports fans would agree with that. But I Absolutely. think we were talking some before the pod. I think there's three, three avenues that you could take here. One would be that teams would be forced to forfeit, which I don't think will happen. I don't think any team, I don't think the league would agree to that. I think fans would have a mutiny. Oh. Second, which I think is, in my opinion, the best option to take would be to add weeks to the end of the season to allow for more flexibility, add for postponements. If you do want to play that full 16-game season, add a week 18, maybe a week 19, and maybe you have to push back the start of the playoffs. Maybe you have to push back the Super Bowl. I, I don't know, but I think that that could be potentially a solution. Or you have to concede the fact that not all NFL teams will play all 16 games and maybe then you have to go by win percentage. And so there's not a great way to do this. And I know Ben Roethlisberger just said this today that he feels that the Steelers got the short end of the stick in the sense that they had to have their bye week so much earlier. On the flip side of that though, it's okay if you do extend the season and add those additional weeks at the end, maybe you're playing teams that you weren't anticipating that you were going to play that late in the season in a game that might actually really, really matter against some of the stiffer competition in this league. And so there's not going to be a great solution with whatever the league decides. But in my opinion, I think adding a week 18 could be a potential solution to all of this. I could truly see that. Uh, we're talking about win percentage as well. You know, um, if, if, if a team or if, if several teams have to postpone and then you look towards the end of the season, okay, well, will we add this extra week for these teams to catch up? Where do they, where, where do we see themselves on the, in, in their standings? Are they, what, four games out of first place? Will this game even matter? Uh, if not, then you could just wave it. Well, how about the other team? And how, how close are they in the wild card picture or in the division standings as well? If none of them are in the playoff picture, then you could easily see them waving off that extra matchup and then a team will have like a, a six and nine record, you know, 15 game season as, as weird as that will sound. But um, I, I could see where the win percentage will be a, a huge factor. And obviously it, it, it could be huge as well. Um, Titans Steelers, I'm, I'm glad. I'm thankful that they are able to adjust the date because they're, they're two 3-0 teams. So yep. team, teams that are heading into the right direction, now you're talking about potential playoff seeding for these two teams that more than likely should be making the postseason as well. And so the fact that they're able to find a date for them to reschedule that game, uh, th that's great. Uh, but I could only imagine if it went towards the direction of we'll see where we could fit this game. And then you're talking about adding that week 18. And then now the Steelers and Titans, they're like, well, sheesh, the playoffs pretty much already started now. We're fighting up against a team that we're trying to get better seating against as well. Or, yeah, so who knows? Who knows how that will work out? I do think that, uh, again, I really do favor that winning percentage, though. I, really I think would. you bring up a great point in terms of figuring out the puzzle to still make sure that that game is played. But you have to figure that this will happen more and more with teams across the league. So how do you adapt to when inevitably that happens to other teams throughout the league? What is your solution then? Which is something I think that we'll, we'll get closer and closer to. And I think the league's going to cross that bridge once it gets there. But again, I think they did a good job of rescheduling that Titans game. But if this happens to where another team either has to postpone or 
potentially cancel to to later in the season? What's your solution there? I, I've got to ask, do you play fantasy football, Darius? Or just because I can't even imagine what you would do if you're commissioner of a fantasy football league in terms of how to score week to week if, if you've got a, a guy whose team, whose game got postponed. But do you play fantasy at all or no? I am a commissioner. Uh, I've been oh, the co- Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely a, uh, I had, you know, we have our group chat going on and it was, it's a 10 team league and uh, we all were all in the same group chat and we had to talk amongst each other on how this was go. Uh, I made a suggestion. I was like, look, we're not going to put any money. It's, it's a money league. Obviously we're not going to put any money this season. I understand. I, I get it. Like I totally get it. As a matter of fact, it didn't matter because I ended up losing this last week, but uh, my, uh, my opponent, <laughs> my opponent had Cam Newton, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Cam Newton obviously had to miss this last week, <laughs> but he still ended up winning. So obviously I should have just. Uh, anyways, though, um, it was a quick, easy decision. I, and I said this, and I still wanted to make a stipulation. I said, hey, look, uh, whoever wins will get the first overall pick next year. That's where we set up the draft. Usually we're, we go by NFL rules, like, you know, worst, worst gets the first pick, you know, champion gets the last pick of, of the draft. But we just decided to say, you know, whoever wins this league, whoever wins this year will be the first overall pick next year. That's just the only stipulation that we added. We couldn't really do nothing because we were not sure at that point in time where will the season end up as the colder you know, months approach. We got to make sure we get your resume to the folks over at the NFL for whenever Roger Goodell decides to hang it up because that's a great solution in terms of trying to figure out what you're going to do. I, I really <laughs> like that idea. How about you? How about you? Were you uh, what would you do with your fantasy? I got out of the fantasy game. I was in a league where my buddy who was the commissioner when I played, and this was maybe three, four years ago, he decided to play week 17. And this is a cardinal sin. I played fantasy football all growing mm. up. And I said, you can't, you can't actually count this towards week 17 when the playoff teams are all resting their start players in advance of the playoffs, I said, you know, why are we having our championship week in week 17? This is ridiculous. And I was so fed up and furious. I said, I'm out. I'm not playing next year because of that. They have now since switched the rule to where the championship games played in week 16 as it should be. But that's the reason why I got out of fantasy football is the league that I was in. My buddy is the commissioner did not know what he was doing. Yeah. I, one year I, uh, I partake in my buddy's uh, fantasy league and it ended up being a week 17 championship game. And I told him, nope, this is the last time I'm doing it because I, I refuse to all these playoff teams that are in there that are resting their starters, uh, that their stars that got them, them stats to put them in that position. Now I got to go ahead and look for what their bench players. Now I got to go look at teams like, I don't know, Jacksonville to see, you know, who, who's performing teams that are not making the playoffs that will put up potential numbers. But even then, even then, the teams that are out the playoffs in week 17, it's like a preseason game. You're seeing guys, you know, suit up out of nowhere as well. They're going to rest. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford will not play week 17 when the Lions, you know, are 5 and five and 10. You get what I'm saying? So. I had friends who would just troll the waiver wire, and it's like, do you not do anything during the day for work or for whatever it is that you're doing? And so they would just be all over the waiver wire and you draft the lousy team, they would never want to make a trade. And so it was just like, this is worth more harm than good. And it's just so funny because you watch sometimes with family and friends and they're screaming and yelling at the TV and say the team scores a touchdown, 
but the ball doesn't go to the right guy. It's like, well, the team accomplished its objective of scoring, but you know, just because your running back didn't run it in or your receiver didn't catch the pass, you're going to be all upset. It's, it's a team game. And that's why I literally, it's hard for me to literally pick any Eagle players. One, we already spread the ball enough as it is. It's, you're, the only player you can really rely on is probably Zach Ertz. Uh, we don't even have any established receivers that you, it's your go-to in fantasy. Running back, we kind of run a running back by committee offense, even though Miles Sanders is, uh, he, he will be a solid, solid second running back, in my opinion. But uh, Doug Peterson really likes to rotate running backs in and out. But to kind of just really, uh, to let it take over your actual, um, your, your actual fanhood, I'm even, it came to the point where I started picking players from our own division. I picked Ezekiel Elliott because I was like, you know what? If the Cowboys are going to do good, at least I'm going to find a way to benefit from it. So. And you get to watch him at least twice a year as well against your team. And that's the ultimate test of your fantasy football versus your team fandom is you got a guy going in fantasy, going up against the team that you root for. It's like, well, what do you do in that situation? Those, that is literally, it's, it's pretty much going to be, a, it's a bittersweet situation. Obviously, I'm going to want my team to stop Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, cool. Uh, if the Cowboys and if he goes off and Ezekiel Elliott has a great game against the Eagles, then I would be like, you know what? At least I got something out of this because I'm already pissed off as a fan that the Cowboys <laughs> won and Ezekiel Elliott had a great game. But at least I was able to benefit from this and, you know, he had a, he put up some good numbers for me. So it, it's usually it's, – it's, it's going to be a bittersweet mentality. The best case scenario is – it's a blowout and they're getting garbage points. That's that or the really... Eagles win in a shootout. But yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. That, that, that's pretty much the best case scenario is pretty much what the Cowboys have been doing at this point in time. They're, they're getting blown out, but then they've been coming back, uh, benefiting off of garbage points. And that, that's how you could really, uh, you know, say, okay, well, I guess it's not that bad. I get it. It's a win-win. Darius, as we start to wrap up the special crossroad edition here on the Believe Podcast Network. The Battle of Pennsylvania, do you have a prediction for Sunday's game between the Steelers and the Eagles? So uh, I did mention I think it's going to be a physical game. I can see a 20 to 17 kind of game. The Eagles, uh, offensively, we haven't really been able to put up. Yeah, offensively, we've been struggling to put up over 20 points. I know we put up 25 points against the Niners, but one of them was based off of a pick six. We had a pick six on defense. Um, we only put up 19, I think, against the Rams and 17 against Washington. And then we put up 23 against, you know, a, a rebuilding Bengals team. So offensively, it's still going to be a struggle. Carson Wentz, uh, if he's not utilizing his legs, then our offense is pretty much dead at this point. So I do think it's going to be a physical matchup because uh, Steelers, they are healthy. I looked at the Steelers injury report and I saw a full participant, full participant, full participant pretty much all throughout while several guys uh, did not participate. I look at our injury report. We had about five players who uh, did not participate. Uh, six other players who are limited. Um, you know, we're nicked up. They're healthy. Last week, we had the benefit of a banged up Niners team. We saw two different quarterbacks, their second and third string quarterback. Uh, so it's, it's a week where we are going to need to um, not only prevent mistakes of our own, but also ask several guys now to step up, as in we're going to need Miles Sanders to uh, be really efficient in the running game. We're going to need Carson Wentz now to start hitting these passes that he's, mid- that he's missing on. Not a lot of opportunities that the Steelers' defense will give you because they're a really good defense. But I still see it as a 20-17 to 17 kind of game. It could really go either way. Um, it's, it's probably going to go down to the turnover battle. We could force interceptions off Big Ben uh, or, you know, they could force interceptions off Carson Wentz, and whoever wins a turnover battle, I feel like will win the game. 
as far as picking a winner could go. Who, as far as picking a winner can go, it's it's so tough because as a fan, you know, you never want to pick against your team because then you feel like, oh, am I questioning my fanhood? But uh, then you sit back and doing what we do on here, talking about the NFL and, and it needing to obviously be realistic. You're going with a 3-0 team who had a bye week, more healthier, as opposed to a banged up 1-2-1 team who beat a banged up 49ers team as well. So I would think that the Steelers will pull away, but I'm always going to be rooting for the birds. All right. So for the record, I've got you down as 20 to 17 undecided winner. That's what we'll say for the record, if I'm hearing you right. But uh, I I hear you. I hear you. Deontay Johnson, the Steelers receiver, he is out of concussion protocol. So he's expected to play two key special teamers, fullback Derek Watt, and then safety Marcus Allen. They're working their way back from their respective injuries. So we'll see what their status is for Sunday. Again, coming off the bye week, I think that's a great point. Again, Tomlin's team's 9-4 and four during his tenure in Pittsburgh coming off the bye. I like the Steelers to win this one, and I think turnovers is going to be a key, and then the line of scrimmage as well. Can the Steelers establish their running game against this Philadelphia front? And if they can, I like the Steelers to improve to 4-0. I'm going to go with the Steelers 27 and the Eagles 17. That over-under set at 44, so I hit that exactly in my score prediction. But I'm really excited for this one. Again, the Battle of Pennsylvania on Sunday at Heinz Field. Darius, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you joining me tonight. Any final thoughts before signing off here? Uh, really do appreciate you having me on. I'm um, looking forward to just uh, hearing more content coming from you. I um, It was fun doing this cross show. A good insight as well from the Steelers as, as uh, we approach. I uh, just want to say I'm um, really thankful and uh, looking forward to seeing um, a Super Bowl rematch between Brady and Foles. Who would have thought that that would be something exciting to watch on Thursday night football? So um, let's prepare for week five, right? Yep. Bears Bucks on Thursday night. So get your popcorn ready for that one. I'm going to go ahead and sign off here for today's special cross-show edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast and the As Always Go Birds podcast. Again, both podcasts as part of the Believe Podcast Network. For Darius Jackson, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. Go give us both five-star reviews wherever you're listening to your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Take care. Enjoy the week five action. So long, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 